0: Hey and welcome to Vineyard Cardiff's podcast. Today, really exciting, we're wrapping up our series that we've been in in the last couple of weeks, looking at Act Justly, Love Mercy and Walk Humbly. And we're doing that by interviewing a wonderful man called Israel Oliphant Jana. He is the head of the One People program uh, at the EA. And so Alice is going to be chatting to him about racial justice and how the church, uh, we as the church, respond biblically. So we're really excited for that. James is going to kick off with an intro to that now, and then he's speaking. But we're really excited. And you know, we'd love to hear your feedback. We know that this uh, is a challenging and an emotive issue. And so if you've got any thoughts or a conversation you want to have off the back of it, please, please, please get in touch. We would love to hear from you. But other than that, let's pass over to James. Hi, great to be with you. These past few weeks, we have been in a series looking at justice and compassion. Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly. And Alice started this off a couple of weeks ago by looking at the subject of justice and she said this, justice is seeing people as made in God's image and then making it right when they are not being treated as such. Today we want to look particularly at the subject of racial justice, the events of the past year since the, the tragic and the needless death of George Floyd. And all that that has meant has opened up. conversation around racial injustice and of course these aren't new issues but there is a sense that this has been a change moment it's a sad fact that racism and racial injustice are a part of our history as a nation part of the history of the british empire up until the late 18th century the british were the world's largest slave dealers here in wales and across the uk We benefited benefited from this trade and many British cities were built on the profits that came from this. So this and many, many other examples are sadly part of our national history and we have to own that. And racial injustice continues to be a part of our present too. The sad fact is that racism and racial inequality is still a reality for many people in the UK. Even this past week following the Euro 2020 final, we have seen terrible racial abuse online. It's reared its ugly head. And in other forms, this racial abuse online has been aimed at some of the England players who've missed the penalties. Within just 24 hours, Twitter had to remove over a thousand posts and suspend a number of accounts. And of course, this isn't just happening to people in the public eye. From having spoken to people of colour in our own community, within our own church, we know that for them, racial discrimination and injustice is still a painful daily reality. We've heard stories that are shocking to hear and which have deeply saddened us. And we want to stand together today and say that this is not okay. That when one part of our church family heart hurts, we all hurt. As Alice outlined, issues of justice are not an optional add-on to our faith. Justice is is right at the heart of the gospel message in the kingdom of God. And as such, talking about racial justice today is not about political correctness or an alignment to any political agenda or anything like that. Aaron Aurora, co-chair of the Anti-Racism Task Force for the Church of England, said this, Our work is not a battle in a culture war but rather a call to arms against the evil and pernicious sin of racism. Our mandate flows not from identity politics, but from our identity in Christ. A diverse, multi-ethnic church family is a hallmark of the kingdom of God at work. The church, in all of its diversity, united by the gospel of Jesus. In the last book of the Bible, the Apostle John has a vision of what heaven's going to look like, where everything is restored as it should be, the kingdom of good fully realised. And we see this in Revelation 7 verse 9. It says this. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that nobody could count. From every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and the Lamb. What a beautiful picture of what awaits us when we get there. The church in all of its diversity reflecting God's creativity and worshipping him into eternity. If this is God's kingdom vision... How are, to we, how are we to respond as followers of Jesus to the current reality that we're faced with? And as we begin to answer this question, we'd like to show you an interview that took place a couple of weeks ago between Alice and Reverend Israel Olafanjana. So enjoy.
1: Hello, today I have the pleasure of doing an interview with Reverend Israel Olawulale Olafanjana. And Israel is an ordained and accredited Baptist minister, and he's pastored churches here in the UK and in Nigeria, where he was born. Um, Israel now lives in London, and he uh, works for the EA. The EA is the Evangelical Alliance, um, which is a network of churches of which we are part here at Vineyard Church Cardiff. And Israel has just stepped into a new role at their One People Commission. And the uh, the aim of the One People Commission is um, is to celebrate diversity. Um, as well as at the same time modeling what it is to have unity in Jesus. So I'm so excited to have Israel here. Israel, hello.
2: Hi, Alice, and uh, very good to be here. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here to do this conversation, to have this conversation, to do this interview and to talk about justice, which is at the heart of the gospel. So, yes, we're looking forward to that, yes.
1: Oh, we're so excited, so blessed to have you. Thank you, Israel. I just thought I did a bit of an intro for you in terms of um, your role, but tell us a little bit about you personally, your story, your family and so on, just so that we get to know you a bit better.
2: Thank you very much, Alice. Um, I suppose in terms of who I am, there are sort of three sides to the things I do. One is I'm a pastor, as you have acknowledged. I'm an ordained and accredited Baptist pastor. And uh, alongside that, I am also a theologian. I do a lot of research, writing and teaching in various Bible colleges, writing in the areas of African Christianity in the diaspora, African Christianity in Britain, writing about black majority churches. Uh, And then the third thing is uh, I also train other pastors around leading a multicultural church, developing or growing a multicultural church in that sense. So those are the sort of three areas of work that I do. I am married to Lucy, and uh, we have one son who is called Iyanuolua, uh, which means God's miracle in my language. And uh, Lucy works for Churches Together in England. Uh, She's their senior communications officer. So, yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. I'm from Nigeria, as you mentioned, uh, born and bred Nigerian, and uh, I'm also British, so I'm African and I'm also British, though identity as it is uh, in that sense. So, yeah, so that's a little bit about me.
1: Fabulous. And am I right in thinking you have something in common with my youngest son, which is a love for Hornby trains?
2: Yes, I'm into trains. I love train sets and uh, yeah, I couldn't get enough of it. So yeah, uh, if you come into our house, you see home sets, train sets, all sorts of sets around in that sense. So yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's lo- lo- lovely. Yeah, it's oh, good
1: to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So as a church, we have been thinking about this idea of justice and what that means as followers of Jesus. And today, um, we're thinking about this idea of um, racial justice. And I just wondered if you could get us started by telling us, why is this so important?
2: I think racial justice is very important. One, because it's biblical. Oftentimes people start conversation on racial justice because they think, oh, well, it's political correctness or it's left-wing politics or because of Black Lives Matter or critical race theory. But actually, from a Christian perspective, justice is at the heart of the gospel. I don't know how people interpret scriptures, but when I think of the great tenets in scripture, love God and love your neighbor. Loving your neighbor means you are moving beyond your own communities, means you are moving beyond. I mean, Jesus gave that message home when he was talking about uh, the good Samaritan. You know, the lawyer that asked the question was really pushing Jesus and was really asking uh, deeper questions. And Jesus said, well, here is a story to illustrate who is your neighbor. Now, what I find fascinating about the story is this, because of the enmity and polarization between Jews and Greeks, uh, Samaritans and Jews, Um, the hero in this story was a Samaritan. But if you look towards the end of that text in Luke chapter 10, the lawyer, when Jesus said, who is the person that is a good neighbor in this story? He said, the one that helped. He didn't use the word Samaritan. Now, there's a reason for that. He didn't use the word Samaritan because of that enmity. Jews and Samaritans, they do not get along. And so in his in his worldview, in his configuration, even mentioning the word Samaritan was almost a taboo. So he said, the one that did help. So when we talk about loving our neighbor, It's not about loving necessarily the person that lives next to you. It is loving someone that is different to you. It is loving someone uh, that is human as it is, but a different kind of human. There's one human race, but that humanity is expressed in different skin color, that is uh, skin pigmentation, different physical features, uh, different expressions, different culture, different history, and in that sense. So I think when we're talking about loving our neighbor That is the heart of justice, isn't it? And so when Paul talks about, in Ephesians chapter one and two, he talks about uh, two different communities becoming one in Christ, that is the Gentile community and the Jewish community coming one solid building in Christ, that is racial justice. At the heart of the New Testament is reconciliation. There's no way you're gonna talk about reconciliation. Again, at the heart of that is justice. So when we talk about racial justice, it is scripture. Uh, and so that's the starting point. That the second is not the context. The context is historical as well as contemporary. Historical in the sense that when we look at uh, our history, uh, Europeans went from here to all over the world. And in that history, there was enslavement, there was colonialism. Now people have come back from those regions, but there are still legacies of uh, slavery and colonialism that we are living with. And the death of Judge Floyd, I'm afraid it's one of those legacies. But what that has actually that has done, he has brought conversation around racial justice to the fore. But actually these are some of the things that we need to consider that it's biblical, it's historical, but it's also contemporary context that we are in. So justice is not political correctness. Racial justice certainly is not. It's at the heart of the gospel.
1: That is so helpful. Thank you. That's such a great definition of what racial racial justice is. And as you said, you know, this last year with the death of George Floyd, it does feel like it's opened the conversation up again. Of course, um, these aren't new issues, but there is a sense that things need to change. I know people in our church, brothers and sisters, part of our church community have been victims of racial abuse. And there's just this moment, I feel like, where people are saying this has to change. Um, What will it take, do you think, for things to change and what role can the church play?
2: What it will take for things to change is this. Now, and here is a bit of a problem. When we talk about racial justice in this country, there is always that excuse that we are doing better than America or that, oh, this is not America. The context in America is different from the UK. Now, don't get me wrong, yeah, that's true. The American context is different from the UK in the sense that the American context is conquest force of native Americans Native Indians, and then there is slavery, and then there is segregation, and then racial discrimination. In the UK context, there is the UK's involvement in the slave trade, and then there is also colonialism. So the contexts are different. But what has happened in America is because of that background, they have always been having this dialogue. They have constantly been open to talk about it. Of course, they don't get it right, and it's all messed up. But there is always a national conversation, which is why there is something called the Civil Rights Movement, which Martin Luther King Jr. led in the 60s in that sense, because they've been having that national conversation. Now, when you look at the UK context, we have not really had this conversation about racial justice until the death of George Floyd. That is when we started having it. Now, in 1993, we started that conversation Uh, when Stephen Lawrence died in Southeast London, very actually close to where I'm living at the moment in Woolwich, uh, you know, in that sense. So we started having that conversation then and it was acknowledged that it is institutional racism uh, in that sense. But we've not really engaged this conversation. And I think until there is that openness to dialogue And I think there is something about British sensibilities that don't want to have this conversation publicly. We want to make it a private, and this is where America is very different. They want to have it publicly. They want to talk about it. But in the UK, we don't want to do that. There is still a reluctance to have it. And even the race report uh, that came out not too long ago, it did say that there is not enough evidence to say there is institutional racism. And I think again, that is part of the problem. Doreen Lawrence, Stephen Lawrence's mom, did say that that report is gonna set us back 20 years on the significant work that has been done around racial justice issues. So I think one is we need to be open to have that national conversation, and then to begin to look at what was the role of the UK in the slave trade. What is role in that? Again, that's a conversation we need to have. And the church within that space needs to pick up that conversation from a gospel perspective. That is to look at how can we go on this journey of restorative justice? Uh, and I think that word is very important because restorative justice is talking about reconciliation. It's talking about how we can work towards building an integrated just society. Together, a collective responsibility. And I think these are things that we need to do because racism and fighting racial justice is a collective responsibility that both white Christians, African Christians, African Caribbean Christians, Latin American Christians, South Korean Christians, we all need to fight together in that sense. So it's a church responsibility and we can come to it from a gospel reconciliation perspective.
1: Fabulous. Thank you. That's so helpful. Do you, and you know, you said about um, maybe something to do with our British nature, you know, wanting to kind of be more have a more private conversation around it, or, or maybe a reluctance. And I know we spoke before the call about this idea of terminology and language and how that can be a barrier. You know, that fear that. What you say might not be might you know might might give offence you know you know what I mean that can kind of hinder a, a really open positive dialogue. Is, do you do you kind of agree with that? And what would your what would your kind of um, input be on that? Input. Yeah, yeah that? I think yes. I've been
2: in places and conversations where I've seen a lot of white folks very reluctant to talk, and also people have asked what terminology should we be using because "bame" is now problematic. I mean, BAME has been problematic for such a long time because the word BAME is simply saying there are white people and there is all of the groups, which is just the wrong way of categorizing people. It lumps a whole lot of diversity together because when you talk about BAME, who is the black in it? Is it African Caribbean? Is it black? So that's why BAME is problematic in so many respective ways. But the terms that I'm increasingly hearing people use are people of color. Uh, I think people use that, although if you are from Southern Africa, that could be quite problematic because of apartheid regime in the situation where you have whites, you have colored, and you have blacks. So if you're from South Africa, saying people of color might not be the best term. But I think it's one that I'm hearing increasingly, uh, and people are using it, and I think it's fine. Other one is people from the majority world. That is, you're talking of people from the Caribbean, people from the continent of Africa, people from Asia, people from Latin America, so majority world in that sense. Uh, Even though in the UK, we are minority, but outside the UK, we are majority. So that's what that conveys. But even for the step from that, that I've heard scholars use, is global majority, which again taps into that sense that we might be a minority in the UK, but actually globally, uh, we are a majority, so these are some of the terms that people are using. Some we use diaspora uh, in that sense, and we say Black British or uh, Asian British, or you know, other terms in that sense. The thing is, whatever term we use, it won't be perfect, but I think we can settle for people of color.
1: Fabulous. Okay, thank you. And I know, you know, just even with that in mind, it can be kind of hard to know where to start. You know, uh, kind of on how to around this idea of racial justice and where to move forward with these issues in mind. I know from chatting to you, you had some really kind of practical things that churches can do as they start to move forward, things that they can put in place, especially maybe around the idea of celebrating diversity in our communities and things like that. Maybe you could share some of those practical um, thoughts you had around that just to help us move, you know, get moving with some of these things.
2: Yeah, thank you very much, Alice. I think, yeah, because when we think about issues of racial justice, There are times we just think, so what does that look like on a Sunday morning? What does that look like on a Sunday? And I think what that looks like is this. Firstly, is we have to embrace this idea that God has a vision. And that vision is that of a multi-ethnic kingdom. The expression of that on earth is building a multicultural community, a multicultural space, a multicultural church. So I think... Developing a multicultural church is a sign of God's kingdom on earth. It's prophetic. It speaks to that vision of God in Revelations, chapter five and chapter seven of all tribes, nations are worshiping together, uh, Jesus uh, referred to as the lamb. So that is the first thing is to catch a glimpse of that God's vision uh, that, you know, it is about developing God's multi-ethnic kingdom on earth through the expression of multicultural churches. That's the first thing. Then the second thing is how do we develop or build a multicultural church? Uh, The second thing again is to understand that multiculturalism is not political correctness. It's not the government saying, oh, let's just do community cohesion. It goes beyond that because it's God's vision. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is, can we have our leadership team that is diverse? Because there are times congregations are very diverse, but the leadership is very monocultural. And I think that's part of the problem we need to begin to address. So just because you have Afghans, uh, Iranians, Ethiopians attending your church, that is good. But the question is, I'll be interested to know whether some of those people are on your leadership teams. Uh, you know, so that's another thing churches can begin to think about. How do we empower people of color to become leaders in our churches, in our spaces, in our festivals in our theological colleges and our organizations, we need to think about that. Then related to that is visible leadership. Because there are times people say, oh yes, we have people of color that are leaders, but the 70 and coffee, they are leading Sunday school, which people don't see. There is something about visible leadership, and that is a visible representation that people can see who is leading the service, who is leading the worship, who is doing the preaching, who's setting the preaching series, all these things are very, very important. Our worship team, who are what 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 visible are we seeing? Then the kind of PowerPoint that we use, what does it convey? Uh, are we using PowerPoint that are inclusive in the sense of are we make ensure that people that come up with powerpoints, are uh, they make sure they have pictures that conveys people from different parts of the world? So these are visible representation that is very very important uh, for, for us to do. And then the last thing is we need to create in our churches safe spaces to have conversations around race and racism. Very important. So in our house groups, in our Bible study groups, in our small groups we need to have this conversation. And we have to, I said, safe spaces. That is spaces in the sense that we can have people uh, that can come and share. We can have people of color coming to share, but at the same time, we can also have white folks express the way they feel and how they think about these things An open conversation that is helpful to help us to put the cards on the table and iron issues out. So these are some of the steps that we can take practically that can help churches.
1: Mm, that's really helpful. Thank you. Can I just, uh, I suppose, in, uh, in kind of coming to a close, I'd just love to, to end by asking, you know, what do you see God doing all in this? You know, what are, what's your kind of vision and hopes for the future? Any encouragements that you see as, um, you know, things like the One People Commission and, and your role and as churches start to do these things, what is it you see? What's the kind of the vision, the encouragement for the future
2: here? Thank you very much, Alice. I think we are living, the best way to describe it is this. We are living in what I'm describing as a Cornelius moment. And what I mean by that is that just as Jewish Christians, Peter suddenly realized when God gave him this vision that actually what you are calling unclean is actually clean. He had this epiphany, he had this prophetic revelation, God saying actually Gentile community are part of the body of Christ. That is the Cornelius moment. I think we are in that point again, when the church is suddenly realizing that we can no longer just talk mission without racial justice. In fact, I will argue that racial justice is part of mission. So we cannot dichotomize them any longer. We cannot separate them. And I think if there's anything God is doing, I think the death of George Floyd, God is using it under pandemic to expose social inequalities that have gone for such a long time. And why is God exposing them? So that we can deal with them. So that we can have this conversation. So that the church can take a lead. So that the church can be prophetic and speak and help society to shape some of this conversation. And that is why I'm excited about the work of One People Commission, because it exists to celebrate and promote diversity while at the same time speaking about unity. And I think the best way I'm excited about that is to explain that when we think about even God himself, God is three distinctive persons but yet one. And that is what One People Commission is about. It's about celebrating, celebrating that oneness that we see in God, but yet the Father is different from the Son and the Son is different from the Holy Spirit. And that is what it's about, that God is one in essence, but yet three. And that is what God's body is about as well, unity and diversity diversity and that's what one people commission is about and that's why we are so excited to be helping churches in this season and in this particular time to lead some of this conversation
1: lovely thank you thank you Isabel. that has been so helpful to get your answers um, on some of these thank you for taking the time to chat to us i just wondered if you might be willing just to finish by praying for us as a church as we continue to look at these issues um here in cardiff
2: thank you very much alice let us pray Heavenly Father, we thank you because you are a wonderful God. Thank you because you are the one who have called us. And Lord, I believe that we are in a prophetic season when you want the church to take a lead in this conversation, to champion the cause of justice, which is at the heart of the gospel. Father, help us to model something of your kingdom on earth. Help us to model unity in diversity in such a way that society will see and will come to learn from us and ask us questions, how we can have this conversation without polarizing, without dividing, without falling. out. And so Lord, help us. I pray for everyone that will watch this, listen to this, use it to encourage them, use it to embolden them, use it to empower them and resource them and to connect with their various communities. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. And God bless you.
0: Thanks so much to Israel for taking the time to chat to Alice. So much helpful wisdom as as we look to move forwards with this. So we just wanted to take a moment to respond to a couple of steps that Israel outlined that churches can put in place to be, to create a more diverse community. And we want this church to be a place where everyone can feel like they are welcome And of equal value and whilst we love the diversity that we're increasingly seeing across our church family we are aware that this isn't currently reflected in our leadership team and our staff team we are monocultural as Israel said and we want to acknowledge that we haven't been as proactive and intentional as we could have been in addressing this and for this we just want to say sorry we're committed to going on the journey of what it means to make sure that we empower people of colour to be leaders within this community. So moving forward, we'll be looking at how we can better develop and release people within our church family so as that we begin to see this change. That's our heart. We also want to listen. We've had a number of conversations with people of colour in our church family to learn and better understand how things look from their perspective. And this has been so helpful. So thank you. We want to make sure that we keep doing this. We'd love to hear from you to create time and space to do this. So please reach out to us if you would like to. We feel blessed to have people in this community who can help mentor and guide us on this journey. And we want to keep this conversation going. We've invited Israel to come back in September to run an online evening seminar for us so that you can have a chance to ask some of your questions, to continue to engage with this issue. And we'll let you know more details as we confirm that date. So it's not enough to say racism is wrong and they do nothing. We need to see real change in our own church, across our society and in our own hearts. Israel said the journey of restorative justice, making things right, is our collective responsibility. We all have a part to play. There's a saying attributed to a Jewish rabbi, Rabbi Tarfon, writing some 2,000 years ago that says, you're not expected to complete the task, but nor are you free to exempt yourself from it. This is not all on us, but we have a part to play and we want you to know that we're taking this collective responsibility seriously as a church. We know that there's work to be done. And this will be a journey that takes time and that we're not going to get right every turn. So thank you for your grace and understanding as we do this together. Israel spoke of this being a season where the Lord is exposing what is wrong in order to bring change. There's a heart cry from our society for change, for justice. This is a moment for us as followers of Jesus to speak out, to say that our God is a God of justice. And it matters to him when people are treated wrongly because of the colour of their skin. And it matters to us, his people. This is a moment of opportunity for us as a church to speak out against racial injustice and to show the world something of the expression of God's kingdom, a place where all are welcome, a place of diversity and unity, where we stand as one before Jesus. Coming back to that verse that I said earlier, just this picture, this is the kingdom vision. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that nobody could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb.
2: Amen.